Are you afraid to ask for feedback on your event because you're worried what people might say? No news is good news, right? I think we all know that's not necessarily true. If you aren't seeking feedback on your event, you're missing an opportunity to improve and grow it. Today we're going to talk about why feedback is important, the best ways to capture it, the types of questions to ask, how to use that feedback once you have it, and tips for how not to take negative feedback personally. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Alicia Barga, owner of Ripple Event Marketing. I've been producing nonprofit fundraising and awareness building events since 2010. I understand the challenges of working with small budgets, coordinating teams of volunteers, navigating event technology, and trying to manage all of this, plus your other duties and tasks, while also trying to have a personal life. In each episode, I teach you the fundamentals of planning a successful event. I keep it simple. You'll learn how to take small steps to creating an event that achieves results without burning you out in the process. So let's get started. I've talked many times on this podcast about setting your FAST goals in order to be able to measure the success of your event. FAST is an acronym that stands for Financial, Attendance, Social, and Teaching. If you want more info about setting FAST goals, go to Episode 2 of this podcast. Setting and assessing your FAST goals gives you an internal measurement of success. Equally, if not more important, is getting an external measurement of what went well and areas for improvement. I'll give you an example. My largest event last year was over 2,000 people. It was a career exploration event for high school students and a job fair for adult job seekers. There were many audiences for this event. There were sponsors and exhibitors, teachers or career counselors that brought the students, and adult job seekers. The event was very successful as measured by our FAST goals, and I got lots of positive feedback from individuals immediately after the event. I could have easily basked in the glow of that positive feedback and patted myself on the back for a job well done. But if I were only to rely on those comments, I wouldn't see the whole picture. First of all, it was only a few dozen people who spoke to me personally at or after the event. So if you're talking from a purely statistical standpoint, a few dozen people out of a couple thousand isn't enough of a sample size to have a high confidence level. You don't have to be a statistics major to understand that you shouldn't assume that a few people speak for the masses. Secondly, when you only focus on the positive, you miss out on the opportunity to grow your event and learn from any mistakes. Please note, I'm using the word mistakes here loosely. I'm going to talk more about that in a bit when we talk about negative feedback. If you want a 360 degree view of your event, you need to capture feedback from all your audiences. At a minimum, you want feedback from your main target audience. But if you want to grow certain aspects of your event, such as sponsorship dollars, you need to know what you're doing well and keep doing more of that and learn from the things that didn't go so well or could be done better. This is particularly true for your attendees. 
you can't be everywhere all the time at your event. There's no way for you to know what every guest's experience was like. And I'm not suggesting that you cater to every single individual guest, but getting feedback helps you find common areas that need attention or could use improvement. Here are six ways that you can capture feedback. In an effort to keep this episode short, I'm not going to go into detail about all these methods. Most of them are self-explanatory. Number one, on-site surveys. Number two, comment cards, a suggestion box, exit polls, or feedback walls. And I lumped these all together because they are variations of the same idea. Number three is an emailed survey. Number four, focus groups. And number five, social media polling. A survey is the most common way to capture event feedback. The key to getting quality feedback is to get it as quickly after the event as possible. Memories fade or can be skewed as time passes. If you send a survey, it should be in the guest's inbox as soon as the event is over or early the next day. If you compile a focus group or do social media polling, it should be done right away, a day or two max after the event. You also want to get feedback from your planning team. Each chairperson will have a different perspective. With the planning team, however, you can send them a survey, but it doesn't have to be that formal. You can simply ask for their feedback, written or verbal, when you have a debrief meeting. If you want more information about hosting a debrief meeting and creating an internal recap document, go to episode 22. So what questions should you ask your audience? The first rule of thumb with any survey is to keep it short and simple, 10 questions max. I would suggest six or fewer. The more questions you ask, the less likely people are to complete your survey. Focus on the most important information you want to know. The questions you ask will depend on the type of event you're hosting, but most event surveys focus on the key areas. Registration or ticketing, the venue, parking, food, entertainment or program, and then if you had an auction or raffle or games. You also want to gauge overall satisfaction with the event and ask a couple of open-ended questions about what the guest liked best and areas for improvement. Creating a survey can feel overwhelming. Have no fear, I have taken the work and the fear out of it for you. I have a six-question post-event survey template using Google Forms that you can download. Go to thatsoundslikeaplan.net and find episode 37. There will be a link for you to, down, to access the template. The challenge with surveys is getting people to fill them out. Here are three tools you can use to try to get people to fill out your survey. Number one, tell your audience it's a short survey. As the survey creator, only you know that it's short. So you have to communicate that with your audience. Let the people receiving your survey know exactly how many questions. Tell them that you value both their time and their feedback by keeping that survey short. Number two, communicate why the feedback is important. Filling out a survey is an easy, no-cost way for a supporter to help the organization. Explain why you're asking for feedback and how important it is to, to the ultimate success, not just of the event, but your organization and your cause or mission. 
And lastly, number three, you can try to incentivize your audience by offering a drawing for a gift card or something of monetary value for every completed survey. Let's talk about what to do with the feedback once you have it. Feedback doesn't do you any good if you don't do anything with it. Don't ask your audience to spend their time filling out a survey and then let the results sit on a sh- in a file or on a shelf. The point of feedback is to find out what you're doing well and keep doing it and to discover areas that need improvement and make those changes. If you're not willing to make those changes, don't bother asking for feedback. You're wasting everyone's time. If you take nothing else from this episode, I want you to hear that message. I'm going to repeat it. If you're not willing to make changes, don't bother asking for feedback. Feedback should lead to actionable change. There's always something you can do differently or do better. The first step with feedback is to collect and analyze it. You don't need a degree in statistics, but you do want to look for patterns. If you have 200 survey responses and 100 of those said that the music was too loud, that's a pretty clear pattern of feedback. If 30 of your 200 responses said the music was too loud, it's something to note and you'll have to make a decision if that's an actionable change. Whether or not you take action on event feedback should depend on two things, your audience and your goals. For example, if your target audience is young people who like loud music and you get 30 survey responses stating the music was too loud, you might determine that those 30 people don't fit your target audience and decide not to change anything. This is why in every episode of this podcast, I emphasize how important it is to know and understand your target audience. All right, let's talk about negative feedback. Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to talk about it, but let's, let's do it. Now, please understand that I am the first person to tell you not to dwell on what went wrong. And I'm using wrong in quotes. I think it's human nature to take negative feedback personally, especially if you were a key player in making your event happen. I recently heard a quote from Steph Curry, who's an American basketball player. He also felt it was human nature. He said that 95% of something could be going great, but we humans will focus on that 5% that didn't. And I think he's so right on that. Now, I'm not suggesting that you gloss over areas of improvement either. The most valuable lessons I've learned in my life haven't come from the things that went well. And I'm sure that's true for most everyone. But it can be so hard to read or hear negative feedback. It can feel extremely personal. Here are six things I've done to help me not dwell on negative feedback. If you're really feeling down about negative feedback, please see a professional. You shouldn't let feedback from an event affect your mental health. These next steps are things I've done and hopefully they'll help you too. Step number one, after you've read all the feedback, Step away from it and focus on something else. Most importantly, do not act on it. Don't email or call anyone that worked on the event. Don't make changes right away. Don't quit because you're upset. Take some time to absorb and think about everything. Step number two, focus on what went well. Start either reading positive feedback or start writing down everything positive about the event. 
Again, this is not to put on rose-colored glasses or bury your head in the sand by saying that everything went great. This is an exercise to keep yourself from spiraling down a negative hole. Step number three. After you've stepped away for a bit, try to view it from the lens of an objective observer. Try to put yourself in the shoes of the attendee. Step number four, talk to a trusted friend or journal about how, it, how you felt reading negative feedback. Again, if you feel this is really affecting you, please talk to a professional, but sometimes just having a good friend listen can help or writing down your feelings can help. Step number five, come up with a plan of action. Determine if the feedback is valid based on your audience and goals. If so, make a plan for what you'll do differently next time. Having a plan is so much more empowering than just sitting back and feeling bad about yourself. You know the saying about lemons and lemonade, so get out there and make some lemonade. Make a plan. And lastly, step number six, try to be grateful for the feedback. I know that sounds crazy and it can be really, it can be really hard to feel grateful for negative feedback, but Keep in mind that if someone doesn't give a lick about your organization, they're not going to go through the trouble of completing your survey to let you know what could be done better. They'll simply not attend next time. All right, at the end of every episode, I like to give you a listener action item. Number one, download my survey template and edit it as necessary for your event. Copy the link to that survey. Add a line item to your planning timeline to schedule an email with that survey link to go out to all registered guests the day of or the day after your event. And lastly, number four, try not to view negative feedback as a condemnation, but as an opportunity. Now that sounds like a plan. I'll see you next time. 